Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thanks for having me, Joe. <laughs> that was, that was, I was waiting for it. I was waiting to see what months of energy and buildup and excitement would bring to the, that's, thanks for having me. I well, was, so, was you know, after the last time I did the podcast, which was months ago, I basically went into a deep hibernation <laughs> to just, uh, just save up energy and enthusiasm for the next time I did it. I woke up an hour ago. I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Here exactly. We do this. This is great. This is great. You know, the good thing was it, it has been it has been a couple of months since the podcast has has been uh, up and rolling. But we left uh, our listeners with our predictions for the season, which as as always are 100 percent right. So, you know, until the season's over, we've sort of done our job. I mean, really, in a lot of ways. I, I mean, obviously it's hard to give people a greater gift than telling them what the, how the season will unfold months in advance. Right. Of course. I mean, for, if for betting purposes alone, but also just for like peace of mind where everyone now knows this is what will happen. I haven't gone back and checked. I assume we're a hundred percent correct so far. We're on track to be a hundred percent correct. Right. I mean, look, the, the, we all know that that things happen and and you know, we have, we have had years where we've only been 98% correct. So That's right. It's it's possible, but probably not. We'll be I think we'll be 100% correct. I think the season We usually are. Exactly. We that's the that's the point. We usually are 100% correct. <laughs> the season going exactly the way we are. So we're going to uh we're going to do a lot of things today, but we are going to start because there's only really one place to start. Uh, we're going to start with the Yankee Minute. Yankee Minute. And I think, will the whole show be the Yankee Minute? Yes, there's a very good chance. The I can't entire... imagine it wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> so so you've been busy, as everybody should know, does know, I'm sure, who's listening now. Uh, we're about to, uh, I guess September will be the last season, starting the last season of The Good Place. Is that correct? Is it, is it will be September? Is it when it starts? That's right. Late September. I think it's the 26th, but don't quote me on that. But yes, the final season of the show, we are ending the show with season four and it will begin the September. We'll go through um, like February or something. But I'm in the final stages now where I'm uh, we're making the last couple episodes as we speak. So very exciting and 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 sad, a little sad. I, you little know, I know sad. you guys. Yeah, sure. I know you guys wanted. It was very cool. The, the announcement I thought was very cool. It was basically like you know, this is the show. This you saw the show as sort of a you know, the running its course a certain a certain length, sort of you know, like finishing a book. And mm-hmm. and uh, and so this is the final season. But you've been extraordinarily busy, and yet you have found time, and I appreciate this, to uh, hit me several times every day with a Yankee complaint, I would say. Yeah, I. it's important to make time for things that are important, right? right. Like you, your exactly. family and your close friends and uh, complaining about uh, Luke Voigt. <laughs> <laughs> not always in that order, not, not, not necessarily. Order. Much more so. frequently in the in the, actually the reverse <laughs> order, probably. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, you and Brandon McCarthy both, and sometimes Alan Seppenwall, a lot of friends of the pod. Uh, I haven't hit up Linda Holmes yet because I feel like uh, she doesn't deserve to be yelled at. 
She does um, not. She's never done way. anything to me. <laughs> Brandon played for the Yankees, so he deserves to be yelled at. Oh, deserves it right. multiple times. By the yeah. way, we cannot we cannot go on without at least pausing to sort of bow down to Linda Holmes, uh, who this week had the number one book on Amazon. How number- that? Oh my gosh, uh, gosh, just and it's so great. It's so great. Every Drake starts over is the name of the book. Uh, I assume every podcast listener has bought several copies, like we told you to earlier. Uh, but it's amazing. What an amazing, uh, what so, amazing right. week it's, this has been. Uh, it's, uh, I, I'm about 100 pages into it. It's wonderful. Uh, it's Evie Drake. It's E-V-V-I-E. That's what you want to look for on Amazon. Uh, it's uh, great. It's a great book. Congratulations to her. I feel like we can now say that her success is due to the podcast bump. Oh, yeah. Can we say that? Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't think she would deny that. She would not <laughs> deny that, would you? <laughs> I mean, that book would have you, sold yeah. no copies if not for for the. I, look, she's a great writer. I feel like sure. it would have done okay. Yeah, maybe. Would it have maybe. been number one book on Amazon? I don't think so. I think that's the podcast <laughs> bump that gets her over the top there. Uh, congratulations to her. That's wonderful. Um, it, is. it is wonderful. But uh, because she's never personally offended me, I have not yelled at her over email or text about Luke Voigt. And you and Alan and uh, and Brandon really kind of bear the brunt of that. Well, and, and and we, you know, at least I uh, am am with you. I'm, the others that you sent it to, you're, you're just you're you're preaching against the choir. Whatever, whatever that. Yeah, is. Brandon I, kind of Brandon's response is to kind of laugh at me and not yes. and like think I'm ridiculous. Yes. Brandon, no, I'm by the way, not to like let you too much behind a very boring curtain, but Brandon <laughs> Brandon has this thing where like he he like mocks you for right. like caring about stuff like you know what the yankees got or had to give up in the luke voigt trade or whatever uh, trade um and and complaining about like bad calls or luck or whatever but then like when it's his teams when it's liverpool soccer he's (laughs) he's worse than we are it's so annoying like you will pick a lane man either you're a sports fan or you're not and if you're a sports fan you have to let me complain about stuff like this this is i'm publicly airing a private gripe i have about brandon mccarthy on text uh Seppenwall, like just loves it he revels in it and oh yeah i think the re but he he doesn't he doesn't fight back too much in part because he's also a knicks fan and i feel like he knows that he doesn't have a leg to stand on in terms of bragging about stuff because the knicks are all like the knicks hang over alan seppenwall's head like a sword of damocles and so if if he comes at any of us too hard all we have to do is send him a picture of james dolan and it'll like the whole thing will blow up in his face so basically you're my main outlet for this you're the only person who truly understands how infuriating this this particular season has been it's been more and i and by the way let me say one more thing before we get into this I am fully aware that the, I feel like the last time we did one of these podcasts, I stated for the record that I was totally fine now and everything was fine and I wasn't going to get worked up about stuff like this. Yeah, that, that was correct. That's correct. <laughs> now, and, and in general, I will say the Red Sox have, have dr- like drastically underperformed. They're like five games over 500. It's not their year. I'm actually okay with it. I it's It's a source of mild sadness for me, but like every time I get really or threatened to get upset about it. I remember last year and everything's fine. Like I, I, it really, the, the Red Sox mediocrity is a source of mild sadness for me. The Yankees excellence is a source of nearly constant irritation. <laughs> uh, and, and I, I understand how perverse that is. I under, I fully understand that I 
that I should care more about my own team than than my team's arch rival. And I, and I don't know why it is not the case, but it isn't. And that I think about the Yankee success more than I think about the Red Sox mediocrity. Oh yeah. Well, I don't even think that's even close. I don't, I mean, the the, the Red Sox mediocrity is, first of all, it's always temporary. They, they always come back and are good, but secondly, and I think this is where we, we have to start with this team. This team, so we have been complaining about the Yankees for since we started doing this, which was when 1923. 1923, that's right. Yes. 23, right. So close to 100 years. To 96 so we, years, yeah. <laughs> we've been doing this show. <laughs> and and we've been complaining about it. And, we, and I, I feel like we've, we've hopefully gotten this across because we've said it many times, but but it, it, it never can be said enough. The problem is not that the Yankees are good. Like when the Yankees are good – yeah, I mean, it's annoying and we can complain about it or whatever. It's when the Yankees do things that like no other team does. Like when they when they have the black magic thing going where like stupid things happen that don't happen for any other team but always seem to happen for the Yankees, that's really when they are uh, at their most horrifying. And this team is honestly the most horrifying Yankees team I can remember. I mean, this, this yeah. team... This team has had, and and you know, you just say it. You still look at their at the their baseball reference page, and it's like half the page are the injuries that the Yankees have had. The Yankees, you have that many injuries to that many good players, and what happens is you stink, and then you complain about that all the time. This is every fan knows this. You have, and you're just like, well, that's one of those years where nothing has gone right, and and you just you just go, well, look, that's just that's sports, and that's how that happens. And instead, only the Yankees have Luke Voigt's and Gio Urshela's and 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 what DJ LeMahieu is now like what he's Rod Carew what, what is going on and Cameron Mabins come along and and suddenly are stars again you know for the first time in their lives and like only the Yankees have that happen and no team uh, in Yankee history in my view has has matched this level of black magic. Would you agree? A hundred percent. I mean, that yeah. that's, that's the problem, right? The problem isn't you. We went into this season knowing that the Yankees were going to win a bunch of games and make the playoffs. There's no question. Their lineup is insane. They have Stanton and judge and, and they, and Gliber Torres and Miguel oh, Andujar and, yeah, and Gary Sanchez, who, you know, he, he had a terrible year last year, but he was, his shoulder was hurt all year. And you figured like, I mean, we said the last time we talked about this, they're going to break the home run record. Right. Like, right. And, and, and then they have Luis Severino and they have Tanaka and they have like enough starting pitching to get them there. And they have seven legitimate closers in their bullpen. And it was like, yeah, they're look, they're going to win a hundred games. They're going to make the playoffs. They might win the world series. You made your peace with that. The problem isn't that. The problem is Severino hasn't pitched all year. Aaron Judge hasn't played all year. Stanton hasn't played all year. Uh, uh, who uh, who else? Like Andujar oh, went down, uh, hasn't Andujar. played all year, right? Like Bird they, hasn't played all year. But yeah. get, like, Greg Bird hasn't played all year. Like Clint Frazier was injured. They famously they had everyone was on was on the DL, was on the IL or whatever you call it now, uh, for some amount or a long amount of time. And then what happened was the guys who showed up out of nowhere played better than the guys they were replacing. And that is the thing that I cannot abide. The, the, the Giovanni Ursula showing up and hitting 320 for six weeks, that's the thing where, like, you're exactly right. It's like you, that, that's what you don't get to have. 
That's that you you don't you get you have everything else. You don't get that. Like if it's a highly touted prospect and you call up that highly touted prospect and the guy takes off and is on fire, fine. But you don't get that. You don't on a team that as we've said before, flipped two closers, Andrew Miller and uh, and Araldis Chapman for like seven oh. of the best prospects in baseball. And then just signed Chapman back two months later after he pitched the Cubs to the World Series. Uh, you, you like that enough? That's enough. Like they found the last two teams, the Indians and the Cubs, desperate enough to win the World Series that they would do the thing that all stupid teams used to do and flip highly touted prospects for two month rentals of relief pitchers. They it's the only thing they found the last market inefficiency left in baseball. And they exploited it to the tune of Gliber Torres and Clint Frazier and all of those guys, right? And Andujar, by the way, right? So, yeah. so that's annoying enough. And it's annoying enough that they've got like seven or eight incredibly good starters on their team who aren't even arbitration eligible yet. That's annoying. But when those guys go down and people show up out of nowhere who stink, who straight up stink, and they perform at a level that is as as good or as or better than the people they're replacing i that's when i just i lose my mind i can't yeah. take it like i like cameron mabin uh has cameron mabin has hit five home runs for this team in 42 games cameron mabin hit four home runs in 129 games last year <laughs> like how is this possible what is the black magic that this team has? And DJ LeMahieu, now granted, DJ LeMahieu did win a batting title in Colorado. Yeah, yeah he was a good player. He was, but he was, was also, he, we all thought he was kind of a Coors Field guy, right? But I mean, that was sort of. The, yeah. Not, not the least reason of, for thinking that is that in the last two years at Coors Field, his OPS, his OPS plus has been 93 in 2017 and 87 in 2018. His OPS plus this year is 140. He is currently the league leader in the batting title race and in RBI. Oh he God. leads the American League in RBI. He has a 385 on base percentage, a 911 OPS, and is as is 40% better than the average major leaguer in terms of OPS. It's he, insane. You could pass his RBI career high tonight. He'll, he'll pass it to tonight or tomorrow. Yes, his career right. high in RBI is 66. He currently has 63. So there's there's DJ Mayhew, leadoff hitter, batting title leader, RBI, American League RBI leader, and 140 OPS pluser. Okay. Here's Giovanni Ursula. Giovanni Ursula is how old is Giovanni Ursula? He is 27. He's almost 28 years old. Okay. He's on his what, fifth team, fourth team? I mean, he, he played for the Indians in 2015. He played 81 games for the Indians and he had a 609 OPS. <laughs> In 2017, he played 67 games for the Indians and had a 550 OPS. Yeah, In 2018, he played only 19 games with the Toronto Blue, Blue Jays and had a 609 OPS. This year, he has played 69 games for the Yankees and has an 832 <laughs> OPS. He's hitting 307. He has a 472 slugging percentage. He has uh, seven home runs, which is more than he's ever had, like in a minor league season. <laughs> That's not quite true, but but here's the thing: this is what this is what's so frustrating about this, right? Um, Giovanni Ursula is doing this to fill in essentially for Miguel Andujar, who is missing the whole year with shoulder surgery, right? He is doing this this year, and 
after this year, when Andrew Hart comes back, they will either have him be like their fourth, fifth infielder on the bench or whatever, or they'll just let him go. They'll just non-tender him and they'll let him go. And you will never hear from him again. <laughs> he will be gone. He will go to play for like the Royals or the Brewers or some team. And he'll be like, he'll get hurt and or he'll just like not perform very well. And you'll look at his stats one day and you'll go, what? remember that one year when Giovanni Urshela hit 312? for the Yankees in like 110 games when he got, he got 400 at bats and like was like in the mix to win the batting title. And then you never heard from him again. That is what's so frustrating about this is these guys pop in, they do this job uh, incredibly well for the team for, for like the exactly the amount of time they need. And then the Yankees just cut them loose and you'll never hear from them again. Luke Voigt, just Luke Voigt. This is the worst one, right? This is the worst one. Like, Luke Voigt is Luke Voigt is the worst for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's 28 years old. Right. Uh, he, I don't know why. If you go back and look at him, I don't know why. Why did the Cardinals give up on him? I don't understand it. Like they, they really. I mean, he was he went to college, right? And so he he got to the majors pretty old, or he got to like even organized ball pretty old. Right. But he showed power. He showed glimpses of power in. Glimpses. In in the minors, um, they just kind of like didn't bring him up, and well, I guess he's like slow when he, he's not very good defensively or whatever. Right, not good defense. That's what I'm saying. No position, slow, and they did. You know, they did give him some at bats. You know, and he didn't really do anything in the in the at bats they gave him. I mean, you know, he played 62 games in 2017. He had four home runs. Um, you know, I mean, it's it if you're going to be Luke Voigt, you have to you have to crush the ball in order to play in the big league so then he went to the yankees and started crushing and then he started crushing the ball yes he had a thousand ops last year and 132 at bats (laughs) he's a 900 ops this year he had a 191 ops plus last year in his 148 plate appearances but here's 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 the so it's not just that like this kind of like like stocky first baseman dh shows up out of nowhere and and then hits cleanup for the yankees uh on a team with stanton and judge and gary sanchez okay follow me here in about a year ago, a little a little less than a year ago, the Cardinals traded him to the Yankees for Giovanni Gallegos and Chase and Shreve, former our our the podcast former favorite Yankee Chase and Shreve, who had a fake name. Uh, his name was Chase and Shreve. That's ridiculous. Chase and Shreve. That's not a real. Chase problem. and Shreve has been hurt, I believe, and like hasn't pitched all year. Um, Gallegos has actually pitched fairly well for the Cardinals, all things being equal on that team this year. I think they'd rather have Luke Voigt playing first base for them than (laughs) Paul Goldschmidt. But, um, here's the deal. So, so they traded him, they traded this kind of stocky first baseman with no real position to the Yankees. He's then OPSing a thousand, uh, in his last 300, 400 at bats. Uh, they got two relief pitchers, one of whom is okay, one of whom is, hasn't pitched at all. One of whom, by the way, Chase and Tree was never good. Chase and Tree had like a one-seven whip. I mean, I don't know why and what in the world they thought they were getting with Chase and Tree. However, what else did the Cardinals send to the New York Yankees in that trade? International bonus slot money. Right. <laughs> right. right. Now, that was the whole point of that deal. That was absolutely the whole point. And now we go ahead a year. And the Yankees have just signed a 16-year-old from the Dominican Republic named Jason Dominguez. If you don't know who Jason Dominguez is, take a look. He spells his name, Jason, with two S's, J-A-S-S-O-N. Jason Dominguez is a 16-year-old from the Dominican Republic. The Yankees just gave $5 million to sign him. That's almost their entire bonus pool allotment. 
And he, this kid is 5'11", 195. He is a 16-year-old who routinely hits baseballs more than 108 miles an hour off the bat, which is higher than most major leaguers can hit a baseball. It's insane. Just he, look at the- he's basically, he's Roy Hobbs. They signed the Dominican Roy Hobbs. He's 16 years old. And some of that money is the money that the Cardinals sent to the Yankees for Luke Voigt. In addition to Luke Voigt, they sent more money, international bonus money to the Yankees. Like that is that the insidiousness of the Yankee season, like to me, that's the that is the that's the epitome of it, right? They get Luke Voigt for two mediocre relief pitchers they don't even need. Luke Voigt OPS is a thousand, by the way, and then they also take the extra money they got from the Cardinals to sign Jason Dominguez. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 staggering. It's staggering, but you know, we always focus on on uh, you know the guys who do this in the field, the guys who put up these crazy offensive numbers. But the other thing about the Yankees that's frustrating is we all knew there was one, like like the one thing that could go wrong for this team. I mean, nobody can expect an injury run like this. But the one thing that we thought could go wrong for this team is that rotation looked shaky, right? I mean, they had a lot of guys that could be good, uh, but they also had a lot of guys that weren't necessarily going to be good. So when when they have the injury uh, to Luis Severino, you're like, okay, well, look, now they've still got really good pitchers in half, and they picked up James Paxton, and Tanaka's good, and Sabathia will never die. I mean, that, that guy, <laughs> just, we knew that. Okay. And Hap has been kind of terrible. Yep. Okay. Paxton has been fine. Not great. He's been fine. Tanaka, same fine. Sabathia is still doing his, he's like, he, he can't, he can't get outs and yet somehow he, he gets outs. I mean, he's just doing his thing. It's insane. It's truly insane. It's it's nuts, and you know, you with him, the the fun thing is always to look at his his ERA and his fielding independent pitching. The fielding independent pitching focusing entirely on his walks, hits, and and home runs allowed. Uh, his FIP, uh, which is is five point three zero, which is how he's pitching. He's pitching like he should have a five point three zero ERA, right? But he doesn't. He has a four ERA because yeah. he's CC Sabathia, and he has some sort of weird magic that he does. But here's the thing. That's not good enough. Like that rotation is like, it's fine. They're going to score a billion runs. So that who the heck is Domingo Herman? <laughs> what, what happened? Who is Domingo Herman? And that guy's like, and I look, I'm not a one, lo, you know, one loss record guy, but the guy's 10 and two. He's 10 and two with a three, six, seven ERA, uh, more strikeouts than innings pitched. He's walked 19 guys all year. Um, He's he's pitching really at an all star level, and he's Domingo Herman. I don't even they they got him. He's another one of those guys they picked up uh, in in some deal. They didn't even want him. They were they, that was when they uh, when they traded for Ivaldi. Uh, he was thrown into that deal, and I, it's it's Domingo Herman. I, I, yeah. I don't even know what to say. I mean, they don't have they don't have uh, look. Go by like this. This team has won a million games, right? They're they're yeah. they have one of the best records in baseball. Just look yeah. at their their starting pitcher. I know win loss record is the probably the most problematic stat in the world, but for the purposes of this discussion, Tanaka's five and five, Hap is seven and four, Paxton's mm-hmm. five and three, Sabathia's five and four. Like that, 
that's not good. That's not what you would have expected from above league average pitchers and some of them very good pitchers yeah. who also are on a team that's going to score a million runs. Domingo Herman's 10 and two. Like that is the guy. He is the guy who is magically his, he is the lowest whip by far of any of the starters. Fewest hits per nine of any of the starters. Uh, he has the second highest walks next or second highest strikeouts per nine next to Paxton. He is the actual guy keeping this staff afloat. This a staff with four all stars on it: Tanaka, Hap, Paxton, and Sabathia. Then you, then like here's the other thing: the reason that it doesn't matter is because then you go to their bullpen, and their bullpen is Chapman, Ottavino, Britton, and Canley, all of whom are legit closers. Yeah, they're all they're all insane. they're all legit closers. Those guys, and they they you know they have like two bad pitchers on their team. Jonathan Holder's not very good. And uh, and Sess is not very good. Chad Green has been hurt and hasn't has barely pitched. Right? He's well, actually. Oh wait, is he the guy who's barely pitched? No, he's he's thrown thirty innings. Yeah, um, he's, he's 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 pitched. Yeah, but, but they like they, they don't they have they they just they win these games because they have Domingo Herman and they have five closers on their team and you and like, but even the the weird thing is is that like even those guys have had blow up innings. It's not like Ottavino has been perfect all year. Like he's. He his FIP is three ninety four. Like yeah. he's not. I it's when you actually look at their pitching stats, it's like how are they doing this? I don't understand. Well, at least with the with the bullpen, this is exactly what you were saying earlier. With the bullpen, I'm like, look, those are good pitchers. I mean, that's you know, if this team was was just hammering the ball with with Judge and Stanton and and Sanchez, you're like, look, that's who they are. I mean, this this team is good. But they're not. None of those guys. Well, Sanchez is is having a good year. As we kind of, I think we predicted that. We predicted Sanchez was going to come back and mash. Right. I mean that 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 that. How do you not predict that? Like he was very so clearly hurt last year, and you know he's too good to not hit. He can't catch. He literally can't catch the ball. (laughs) (laughs) And he and he really couldn't before. I mean that's he's the thing that's amazing about him is of course he's got a bazooka for an arm, and he's like a terrific athlete. But like putting the glove in front of the ball seems like a problem. Man. That's so weird. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, we and and you know they're they're still putting poor little Brett Gardner out there. You know, just to to every now and again hit a grand slam against the Red Sox, but do nothing else <laughs> like the rest of their time. And and so you look at the rest of this team, and you're like, that's kind of what you. But then if if you're going to put DJ LeMahieu and Gio Ursula and Luke Voigt and Domingo Herman and those guys are going to be all-stars i mean it's just so do? it's so wild that we're halfway through the year almost exactly um Aaron Judge has 105 at bats right, right? cuz he's been hurt all year and Hicks has 140 and Didi Gregorius has 82 and yeah. it's like uh, Andujar has forty-seven, and he's not going to have another one. And Stanton has thirty-one at bats. Like the, yeah. the these guys, the the heart of their team has been completely sidelined, and yet they're still just they're running away with it. They're just running away with it. It's it's really crazy. I will say one thing that we did predict. I don't know if we predicted it. I mean, we in the royal we, like all of us, every human being on the planet. Um. Even though you and I kind of thought that there was going to be a moment for Troy Tulowitzki, the 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 smart money was that guy wasn't going to play, right? Like that was yeah, that was where the smart money really was on Troy Tulowitzki. He does he has not is he coming back? When is he? He's like on the sixty. He's on the uh, Jacoby Ellsbury uh, sixty day 
uh, IL program, which is you're never coming back. <laughs> like we're just gonna pay you whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're paying him the league minimum, right? He was no, released, so like, who cares? Really uh, yeah, he's matter. he's never gonna have an. I mean, he might come back at September or something and have four at bats and hit three triples, but three triples. <laughs> I was gonna say. Hey, they will not put him on the on the postseason, right? Like, they, like if he's on the postseason roster, that guy's going to hit four thirty six. Yeah, of course, yeah, but he won't make yeah. the roster because they've got seventy three other guys who are better than he is. Um, are by they the way, still? I'm, by the way, are they still going to break the home run record? They might, right? No, well, I mean, they could, but this is one of the questions because so we are going to start a new segment here in a minute, which, which I am going to call "Ask Mike." Um, <laughs> but, uh, but and I will talk to you about this in a minute about the home run record. But before we do that, uh, you mentioned this, and I think that you just in passing. I think it's a great idea. We need to name the different DLs, ILs, whatever they are, after players. Like right, yes. like, the, like the sixty day could be the Ellsbury. That's like, the that Ellsbury, could- obviously. Yeah, there's no question. <laughs> I I think we can name the 50 day like the Juan Gonzalez. He was on the 15 day and then he would never come back. That's right. He's day to day and then he's out for the year. Well, the real question is what's the 10 day? Because that's the most frequent one now, right? So, like, I hate it. I hate it. Look, that's, I'm not a traditionalist at all in the sense of that I want to see the game embrace new things, but. I can't get used to the IL versus the DL, and I can't get used to the 10-day versus the 15-day. It's better for the game to have a 10-day. Yeah. I mean, that is it's absolutely better for the game. I'm not saying for them to get away from it. I'm just saying I can't get used to it. Yeah, it's taken me I, – I, to me, IL still means International League. Are you with me? <laughs> right. When I right. see IL, I'm like, oh, they sent him down. He's in the, <laughs> he's in the International League. <laughs> uh, but who's, right. who's, who's the player – who's the player – from the last like 30 years who was always just missing one game or th- three games at a time. Ooh, good you know, question. like who's the guy who's just always like, it's, no, it's Nomar. The 10 day IL should oh. be the Nomar, should be the Garcia Parra. But he was never on a 10 day though. That's the thing. It's like, I, it was the 15 day. I know, right? but it should, but it, the, to me, the 10 day is the thing where it's like, oh, you have a little mild glute strain or abdominal strain and you go, you miss like five games or whatever, you know. Nobar was ready to go after uh, he was, he didn't need all 15. He was mad that he, that, I, I've been calling it, uh, I think calling it the Nomar is good. I, right. I like this. I so like the 10 this. days, the Nomar and the 60 days, the Ellsbury. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. We, we, we've already done our work here. Yeah. So, um, all right. So ask Mike. So this is the, the idea is I've just got a bunch of questions. Uh, I, I don't know if there are any, but I think we I put out a little Twitter call. We'll see if there's any there. But there are just a few questions that I've been I've been waiting to ask you, so we're going to do that. Uh, we'll get our music guy on that. And the first uh, ask my question is: uh, Is this really who Bryce Harper is? Is this it? Did, are, are we at a point now where we look? So Bryce Harper right now, he actually has gotten a little bit hot lately. Uh, he's hitting two fifty two. 371, 475 with 16 home runs. We're more than halfway through the year. Uh, because he is a subpar outfielder, uh, he's still right around that 1.4 war. So, you know, two and a half to three war kind of season that he's having. Um, is this who Bryce Harper is? I I think this current version right now is not quite who Bryce Harper is. I think oh, he's right. I think he's worse right now than he than what he is than uh, he is. yeah i because if, if you look at i mean look he's 26 so theoretically he still has room for improvement which is a crazy thing to think about but he is you know he did i know he stayed in the same division but he did switch teams 
He's playing in a new stadium. He like, I mean, last year he walked 130 times and this year he's barely on pace to walk a hundred. And I, things like that. I, and he's on pace to strike out 200. Crazy, times. Crazy, yeah. Like yeah, a crazy amount. A crazy one, yeah. And I kind of think that part of that is just, I mean, first of all, he has to face the nationals pitching staff a lot. Right. And he has right. like, he's never faced Max Scherzer before, and that's not going to go well for most people. But I do think that when you see the team, when you see guys switch teams and their walk rate falls and their strikeout rate goes up, I can't help but attribute that, even if it's anecdotal, to like new stadium, new batter's eye, like new environment. He does have a $313 million albatross around his neck that is probably affecting him in some way. But I think that he is probably 10 to 20% better than what he is this year. And I think that you'll see for the rest of the year, I think you'll see him. I think now that he has 300 at bats with the, with the Phillies, he'll probably get better in the second half. And I think going forward, I think he's a 900 OPS guy. And right now he's like an 830 OPS guy. And I feel like you're, I think I, I look, he's, he's not, as good as his contract like he just isn't i i don't i think that was a crazy i think 13 years was the dumbest that yeah. whole thing was so embarrassing to me like for everything every part of every it. aspect of it was embarrassing the way that he he's such a bro this guy and he's so like alpha and he wanted so desperately to have the highest contract of clearly scott boris like put it in his brain that he had to that that's what was necessary. Like you have to be, you have to be a rod. You have to be Garnett. You have to be the guy who, you know, has the highest dollar value. Like that matters. Cause you're so alpha or whatever. And he, so he signs the most awkward sounding contract in history, 13 year deal. No one's ever signed a 13 year deal. That's ridiculous. So weird. so weird. And then two seconds later, Mike Trout just quietly in Anaheim blows him out of the water. Like it's so great. It was so great. It was so the whole, everything about it was wonderful. Um, so I think like, I think in year seven, I think this becomes pool holes you know, volume two. Like I think this, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying anything, anybody else, a million people haven't already said, but it's going to be bad. I just think that for the 27 to 32 years, he's going to be better than he is now. Well, that's, that's to me, the big question. Look, whether or not Bryce Harper can ever be who he was in 2015 or 2017 before he got hurt. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I always thought he would, I always thought he'd come back and be, he'd put up another season like that or another season Similar to that. I don't know if you will. I, I The swing and miss thing with him now is crazy. I mean, the, to see pitchers throwing fastballs by him is, it still blows my mind. It still blows my mind, but yeah. they're absolutely doing it. So, so that's right. I don't think he's, I think he will, you know, even last year, he, you know, he was, he was worse than this at this point of the year. And then he had a, uh, a strong second half and, you know, it ended up with the 34 homers and he walked on her 30 times and all that. Um, so I think he's probably that guy, but this is age 26. I mean, this is, this is, it's about as good as it gets, you know, for a guy yeah. who started in the big leagues at 19, 25, 26. I mean, this is, this is the prime. And, and what would scare me really scare me is that this isn't a pool hole steal, which would be bad enough. But this is like they're never going to get a good year out of him. Like they'll like they'll get, you know, OK year one, OK year two, and then decline from there, at which point this will be the worst contract by far ever. 
Like it'll be worse than the Miguel Cabrera contract, which is, which is looking really scary for the next four years or whatever. Worse than the pool holes contract, worse than the Ryan Howard contract. If we have 11 years of, wow, this guy is not very good. Yikes. That's just awful. Just yeah. Awful. I mean, look, I if, if you're, if you're a Phillies, if you're a Phillies fan and you're looking on the bright side, what you would say is, Hey, Luke Voigt didn't hit his peak till he was 28. <laughs> right. That would, that would be where you would start. You That's would where start you would start is like, look at Luke Voigt, look at Gio Urshela. These guys are 27, 28, 29, and they're just now coming into their own. So maybe there's hope for Bryce Harper. Which totally is what's going to happen because like Luke Voigt and like Gio Urshela, after three years, the Phillies are going to be desperate to get out of this contract. They'll pay like $200 million of it, give him to the Yankees, where he will become Bryce Harper again. That's By the way, we didn't even talk about the fact that Luke Voigt is 28, and that means like the other thing that's so annoying about this is these guys aren't even arbitration eligible for like five more years. So like you can't – I mean, in the next couple of years, the Yankees have to start actually paying some of these guys. Sanchez and Judge, I think, are ARB eligible next year. Or there are one, so whatever. They'll make three million bucks. Okay. Oh, but, yeah. But like, you know, Severino, like some of, the, some of these guys are actually getting paid now, even though like Gliber Torres is still three years away and all whatever. But like they they use up – they get these free years of, you know, 900 oh, yeah. OPS hitting – and then again, they'll just non-tender them because they'll be Luke Voigt will be 34 when he's arbitrate when he's like up for free agency. Like they're not going to sign Luke Voigt when he's 34. They might non-tender him when he's 32 if they need to. Like Jason, but then Jason Dominguez will be hitting. He'll be have a 1200 OPS in uh, in uh, in the majors, and they won't need him. Oh, God, it is, so it makes is me not so going angry. Well. This whole thing makes me so angry. Oh, it's not going well. It's not going well. All right, next ask Mike question is. Because since you just brought this up, will a team uh, break the home run record? And by a team, I mean the team that leads baseball in home runs right now, the Minnesota Twins. The <sighs> Minnesota Twins. Let's just say, let's just take a moment for this. The Twins have uh, ten guys, I believe, nine or ten guys who uh, have at least who have double digit home runs right now. Uh, I think nine guys and they have two with nine uh, Buxton and Marwin Gonzalez each have nine. So they're going to end up with 11 guys. They're going to have double digit home runs. They've got Max Kepler leads the team with 21 home runs, which by the way, let's, let's pause to, to give Max Kepler uh, some due there. That guy rules. I, oh, I love, love that guy. <laughs> I love Max Kepler. Absolutely. Uh, Eddie Rosario is 20. Uh, CJ Cron is 19. Nelson Cruz has 16. Um, uh, and, uh, then a bunch of guys with 13, 12, 10, uh, Mitch Garver has 12, uh, another guy I love, um, can the twins really, there's, it's a two part question. Can the twins break the, the home run record? Uh, which seems, you know, that's, it's shaky, but, but can they do it? They are on pace to do it and they're on pace to do it by a substantial number, but, but you know how that goes in the second half, but more importantly, can the Twins win one game from the Yankees when they play them in the playoffs? Okay, so this is the real question. Really, um, as far as the home run record goes, uh, probably not. Second half, people wear down. You tend to yeah. like, you know, uh, some of these guys have had phenomenal first halves, and and you just it's hard to imagine it. I I want it to happen because um, these there's such every one of these guys is a is a cool story. Like CJ Crone suddenly turning into. <laughs> Into, into Lou Gehrig is a cool story. 
Um, but, you know, look, Jonathan Scope has 13 home runs in the first half. Yeah. Like, is he going to have 13 more in the second half? Ah, I mean, probably not, right? Like, Probably not. It, you know, it, he – I mean, look, he's got some power. He hit 32 a couple of years ago. I don't see them all doubling their um, their totals. So so I, I'm going to say probably not, um, but it doesn't matter because what's happening now is a, a, a tremendous false sense of hope is being instilled in <laughs> baseball in general and specifically in the Twin Cities area because – Everybody is thinking the same thing. This is the year that we like, we're going to make this run. We're the team of destiny. We're the young upstarts. We're going to like, you know, no one knows about us. No one knows how many, how many people, even baseball fans, how many people could name uh, more than one person in, on the twins infield. I mean, nobody, Jonathan scope was in Baltimore two years ago. CJ Chrome was in Anaheim. No one knows who Polanco is. No one knows who Eddie Rosario is. These guys are having all-star, legit all-star, potentially MVP-level seasons, some of them. And no one uh, knows who they are. And so that's fun. It's a fun story. And then you've got Buxton in center, and he's insane and you know doing crazy things. And Nelson Cruz is on this team. Nobody knows Nelson Cruz is on the, is on the Twins. Uh, so great. I'm so happy for Minnesota. Love this team. It's so fun to watch which is what is going to make it so much sadder to me when they uh, meet the Yankees in the ALDS and they go up four to nothing in the first inning of game one and people are going crazy and losing their minds. And then they lose that game nine to six and then they lose the next game six to one. And then CC Sabathia throws like a seven hit shutout in game three and it's a sweep and then the, you look up and your season's over and then you think well you look we're so young we've got all this you know we've got a bright future ahead of us and we're gonna next next year we'll blah 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 no it's not gonna happen it'll never happen <laughs> like you it'll i promise it'll never happen like you need to if you're a twins fan you need to like come to grips with this now because this is what is going to happen they are going to they're going to go the, the key to this and this is something you and i have talked about the key to it is it's they're going to be winning in the first game. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yankees, they, will, right? they will take the lead. Yes, because that's what happened last time. Remember, they were up 4 nothing, and they had whoever it was, Severino, like on the ropes or whatever. And then it's just like, a, yeah, it's, no. It's, no. <laughs> like, no. It's just no, not going to no. happen. They're going to lose to the Yankees. If they play the Yankees, they're going to lose to the Yankees in the playoffs, and it's going to be really painful because the team is so fun to watch. Yeah, they're fun. They're fun, but you're you're right. There's There's nothing... There's nothing to be said for for the Twins' chances against the Yankees. Just it's just it's not going to happen. I mean, not like, is Jake Odorizzi going to beat the Yankees in a playoff game? Do you imagine that happening? No, he's not going to do it. He's right. a good pitcher, though. He's very good. He's a really good pitcher, but but like no. Jose Barrios is better, and Jose Barrios lost to the Yankees last time, right? And then then you're like, well, is Pineda? Maybe Pineda could beat the Yankees because he played for the Yankees. No, he's not going to beat the Yankees. Like, no, like when you, the, the totality of the team and its success gives you a false sense of security because yes. the team is very good. But then you get down to the thing where you're like, well, if, if a healthy Severino faces a healthy Barrios in game one, who wins that game? And if a healthy Tanaka faces a healthy Kyle Gibson in game two, who wins that game? When you actually get down to like the individual matchups and you imagine Jake Odorizzi, who's having a very good year, if you imagine Jake Odorizzi trying to retire 
Judge, Stanton, and Sanchez yeah. in the yeah. in the fifth inning of a one run game without any of them hitting a five hundred and fifty foot home run, it suddenly all turns to sand and slips through your fingers. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's all sort of turn to sand. That's too bad. I love that team. I love that team. All right, next ask Mike. And this is this is you know we have a little thing called uh, recency bias where it's so easy to talk about the moment that we're in and whatever. But that said, is this 2019 Orioles team the worst team you've ever seen? I will say that their pitching staff is the worst pitching staff I've ever seen. It's so insane how bad that pitching staff is. <laughs> it's I'm remarkable. You, I'm so mad that they sent David Hess down. And and I look, I feel I feel bad for David Hess, you know. David Hess was one and nine with a seven three six ERA when he got when he got sent down. Um, but my my thing about him was that he had given up twenty home runs in sixty six innings, which is seems a lot. It seems like a lot. <laughs> and and I thought, oh my god, that seems like a lot. But then I realized Dan Straley had given up twenty two home runs in forty seven innings. Yeah, that's insane. Come on, it's remarkable. Uh, Dan Straley was. <laughs> Well, we're going to draft later. We're going to draft um, podcast player of the year uh, candidates. Dan Straley was my was oh, one yeah. of, was one of my picks for for two reasons. One is he has he almost has one home run per two innings pitched, which is incredible. incredible. Which he almost has a four and a half home runs per nine uh, pace. But but more importantly, he almost has a two point whip. And he almost has a 10 ERA. So I was going to, the the trifecta of stats I was pushing for was one home run every for every two innings, a two whip and a 10 ERA. But now but they're not going to let that happen, right? They'll, no, no. In fact, is he even on the roster? Have they sent him down? I'm or not sure. I'd, I'd have to check. He but might they, he might, he might, they might have, I mean, they kind of have to send him down. You know, oh, they have to do something. He's got 22 home runs in 47 innings. I mean, come on. You know what's interesting? They have two good pitchers, right? They have John Means, who no one knows exists. Who's good. Who's very good. Yeah, he has he has 3.4 pitching war this year, and his whip is 108, and his ERA is 250. And it's like, this guy, wait a second, this guy. Uh, and Kashner's actually had a decent year. Andrew Kashner's 8-3. and three. Like, With, that's, On a team like that. I that's, mean, that's very hard to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's the, only, he's the only guy on the team with a winning record. Yeah, that's a remarkable. Well, means is seven and four, but but oh, you know, yeah. in general, yeah, they have a bunch of guys who are David those Hester's. Two guys have half their wins. Yeah. Just those two guys. Yeah, that's right. Um, I so I'll say that their pitching staff overall is the worst, but like they have a couple guys who can hit on the team. Well, right? Trey Mancini, Trey Mancini is the guy I feel most sorry for in baseball. Yeah, yeah. Trey Mancini is a good player. And nobody cares, nobody knows. And I mean, he's stuck on that. That lineup without Trey Mancini is bad. Yes. They I mean, have one bad. other person who can hit, which is Renato Nunez, their third yeah. baseman, has 19 home runs. That, you know, that's pretty good. Um, the Dwight Smith Jr. is something, maybe? He's, <laughs> he's like in the, he's in the ballpark of something. Villar is a sort of like mediocre veteran. But like you know, I don't know. Pedro Severino isn't a terrible hitting catcher. He's pretty good. Um, so they and you know, but like Chris Davis is still ha- has. I think he has. Oh does he oh have more? He has. Let's see. He has eleven extra base hits and twenty one singles this year in one hundred and eighty three at bats. That's not great. Well, my favorite with him is that he has. Uh, 
He has um, 80 strikeouts and 55 total bases. I don't know that anybody doubled their total bases with strikeouts. <laughs> that seems that seems Oof, high to me. That's, yeah, that's high. Not, yeah. That's, man, oh, man. You know what? He, how much time does he have left on his contract? Great he question. Still has, yeah, I think he still has like, let's look it up here. Yeah, three more years on that contract. Oof. Oh, my God. Oh, Only $69 million, though. So <laughs> He's 33. What happened? What is the explanation? Well, I think, you know, he kind of remember he he started off his career uh, with like the, with the big question was, was he ever going to make enough contact? And for a while there, when he was with Texas, it looked like the answer was going to be no. And then he went to the Orioles and he went crazy, right? He had that 50 homer year and then, and then, which where he was very, very good. I mean, that's by far his best year, that 50 homer year. Yeah. But then a couple of years later, he had the 47 homer year and he was, he wasn't as good, but he was still pretty good. But the strikeouts were going up and, and, you know, and so he had one more year where he still hit with enough, you know, power to sort of, Kind of, you know, and that's exactly when the Orioles thought it was a good idea to like sign him to a long term deal. I mean, that like you can't. I mean, that really is one of those you can't fix. Stupid. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I feel, I feel bad because Chris Davis seems to me like a great guy. Um, he was a he was a really really good player. He's a guy that I think has maximized exactly who he is. Uh, I think he feels terrible uh, about the way he's playing now, but. It's not his fault. It's the Orioles' fault. I mean, yeah. you can't you can't sign Chris Davis to a long term deal coming off of the trends that he was doing. And then nobody saw this coming. But but it's it's ugly. It's ugly. All right. In the last in the last five years, his home run totals are, are like it's a it's a staircase going down <laughs> at the rate of ten home runs a year. It's it's forty seven, thirty eight, twenty six, sixteen, six. So uh, so next year he's going to hit in like negative four home runs. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's Rob. All right, two more ask mics. Uh, one ask Mike uh, is the is the question everybody's asking. And I believe you have some insight on this. Where is Kawhi end up? Where's Kawhi? Where's Kawhi Leonard going to end up playing next year? Uh, in a shocker, he's going to be uh, on the Denver Nuggets. That's my <laughs> that's my prediction. This is it. We this is the. Yeah. I mean. This is this is way bigger than a wolf. I'd say it's Denver or the Wizards, or right, right, or there's a new team. The Vancouver Grizzlies get back up and running, and he <laughs> played for the Vancouver Grizzlies. The Kansas City Kings. If if um, I will say this. I'll let me say this about about the Kawhi situation, which no one knows anything, and it's so pointless to predict this. And by the time this gets posted, he may have signed with the Nuggets or the Jazz or something. But um. <laughs> I, as you well know, I've talked about this a lot. I, I, I love nothing more than the Lakers suffering because the Lakers yes. are insufferable. Their fans are insufferable. Um, Kobe stands are the worst stands um, of any <laughs> stand base. Uh, Laker fans in general, Laker media is terrible. They have this, they have the enti- all the entitlement of the Yankees fan base and media with recently none of the success. And it's uh, they've been so terrible. They're so terribly run, and the like. The magic thing was pathetic, and Palinka's a ding dong, and the bus family are a bunch of incompetent boobs, and they can't do anything right. These people cannot do anything right. They draft they they draft the wrong players, and then when they draft the right players, they trade them away, and then they watch them get good elsewhere. If if it weren't for the fact that they are the L.A. Lakers, they would be the New York Knicks. They would they're as incompetently run as the Knicks. It's just oh, yeah. that they magically got, 
are because they're in LA and because LeBron has, uh, you know, global expansionist uh, goals. Uh, he he came here. They didn't they didn't do anything. Nobody got LeBron to come here. LeBron decided to come here, and yeah. then the Lakers act like that's right. We're the Lakers, you know it. We got LeBron. Like, you didn't get him. He got you. Like he's using your franchise for his own excellent. Go to Hollywood, exactly, yeah, exactly. And then because LeBron is there, and again because they're the Lakers, they get Anthony Davis. No one did anything to go get Anthony Davis. He told everyone he wanted to go to the Lakers years ago. And they just freed up enough cap space to get him. And in between, by the way, they like offer every player on their team publicly and make the whole team collapse. And there's no, they draft Lonzo Ball, who stinks. They draft like they're so badly run. And, and, and yet their fan base still has all of the attitude of like, of like, like, like they're the Spurs or the Patriots or a T or a team that's organizationally advanced. And if Kawhi goes to the Lakers, it's going to bum me out. It's such a deep fundamental level because I love him so much. He's so great. And it will be, I mean, Kawhi, AD, and LeBron is, will be the greatest big three of all, of all time, right? That, like, that beats Steph, Clay, and Durant, I think. I think, but, but, but it only beats it because uh, as, good as, as good as Clay is, he's not in that level. Right. I mean, I think other than that. Yeah. Steph and Steph and Durant are as good as whoever you want to like LeBron and and Kawhi are or whoever you it's hard to even say who are the who are the top two of that potential top three. But like it just it's so makes me so sad because the team is so bad. They're so bad. The organization is so badly run. And I hate to see it rewarded just because of geography like that just stinks to me. But what are you going to do? I th- I think well, he's going to end up on the Lakers. That's my prediction. Yeah, I really, really want him to go back to Toronto. I do too, man. About, everything about Toronto is awesome. I mean, you know, look that I actually really did not like the finals. I was, I mean, I I was very happy for Toronto, and I was not, I was not really rooting for or against. I I like both teams, so I wasn't, I didn't have an issue. But it was a bummer to watch. You know, I mean, that Golden State team without anybody with everybody getting hurt and that god that awful durant injury was just just the whole terrible the whole thing was terrible yeah i mean i you wanted you want i wanted the dynasty to end but i wanted it to end at full strength like that how can you how can you want anything else right exactly the only thing i would say though is what an insane joy watching uh uh Kawhi play just what an insane, insane joy. There's something, and you know, this is as somebody who has obviously, you know, watched him LeBron closely throughout his entire career and rooted for him and all of this. Those moments where the, the game was on the line and he shot, I've never been more sure a guy was going to make a shot than, <laughs> than I was when Kawhi shot, right? Like, it's like, oh, they're down two and Kawhi shoots a three. It was there was no way he was going to miss it ever at any point. Was he going to miss that shot? And for a guy who is like, you know, he's a, he's obviously he's a terrific everything, but he's not the guy that you would put like in your all time shooting class. Right. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't call him one of the five greatest shooters in NBA history. No way. He's shooting, but, shooting wasn't his thing. No, just like it, yeah. No. Yeah. But when he needed when he needed to make a shot, it was like forget it. It was just it was and and it wasn't even like like dribble. I mean, of course the the famous shot against Philadelphia where it bounced all around the rim. But the rest of them just like well, you don't even see the net move. Like just boop, just right 
I love that guy. Yeah. I just so love that I do guy. too. I really hope he doesn't go to the Lakers because the Lakers stink. Yeah, and you know what? If he goes to the Lakers, I won't love him anymore. Sorry. That's I mean that's you that's can't not you can't root for that's what I told my son. I was like, listen, you can root for a player, but you cannot root for certain teams you just can't root for. You can't root for the Lakers, you can't root for the Yankees, you can't root for the Dallas Cowboys. Like it doesn't matter if your favorite player goes to one of those teams. You can privately, quietly hope that he keeps doing well. You can't root for the team. It just it's, right. you just can't do it. That's right. That I'm glad to see that you were instilling important values in your son. That is correct. <laughs> so, all right. Last question. Last Mike uh, asked my question, and this is this is sort of a we're we're talking a little bit of history here. You and I have on this podcast many many times uh, sang the praises of um, of Clayton Kershaw. We both are enormous, enormous Clayton Kershaw fans. Love the guy. Think he's amazing. Uh, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Hall of Famer. If he retired tomorrow, all those things. But here's my question for you, because it's this is where the direction has been going. When we look back on the this sort of this era of baseball, like 10 years from now, when we look back on this era of baseball, will Clayton Kershaw be the greatest pitcher of this era or will it be Max Scherzer? Man. I depend. I, I guess. I mean, what? here's the question. The question is, what era are you talking about? Right. Because. They do. The, they two thousands. I think we're the, you know two thousand to two thousand twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, to, to, yeah, two thousand. They'll both retire by twenty twenty five. So let's say the first twenty five years of this of this century. I guess you would just basically. I mean, about. you have to say that, like, you know, Scherzer's closing stronger, right? <laughs> like the last two years, like the trend. Scherzer seems to get better. Uh, every year, which is impossible. Um, he seems to be getting better and Kershaw seems to be getting worse. Kershaw's, you know, Kershaw's actually having a pretty good year. He is having a pretty good year and he's still, a, he's still a good pitcher. He's there. This is not in any way meant to be a knock on him. Of course he has not thrown 200 innings or close uh, in what, since 2015. So this, you know, he's, he's, he's had all the injuries and the sort of the Nicky knack things or whatever. But I just want to make that point because I looked up, um, I think that the number I looked up was most uh, seasons with a with 200 innings pitched and a sub one whip, like for a for a starter. And because I've you know expected to see some of the all time greats on the list or whatever, and Scherzer already because Scherzer's had four of those, and he's having a fifth right now. He's in the middle of of another season where he's had 200 innings and a sub one whip, or maybe he's had five of them. Because he's, I think he's at five, and I just thought this guy is already absolutely insane. He he is he he gets better all the time. He just keeps getting better and better and better. And with Kershaw fading, and you know, I think we'll, we can expect Kershaw to to kind of keep. He'll he'll be a very good pitcher for a long time. But I I think the days of him being the dominant dominant force in the game might be over. Uh, but I don't think they're over at all for sure. Or plus. How could you just not just love that guy? Scherzer, I mean, look, Scherzer, Scherzer has twice as many strikeouts this year as Kershaw. Twice as many. Like Kershaw has 82 and Scherzer is 170. Granted, he's pitched in 30 more innings, but like that's a durability issue, right? Yeah, like that's exactly. that's part of I mean, right now, the crazy thing is that right now, Kershaw, you would say, is the third best pitcher on his own staff, maybe. Oh, yeah. Right? Because Ryu's right. Ryu's great and Bueller's better. 
than he is. And, you know, I say Kershaw's probably the third best pitcher on his own staff, which is a crazy thing to say. Uh, and it, here's another thing. I mean, I don't, I, without looking up the, the, um, the actual stats, what if you throw Verlander in there? Verlander is well, still insane. I think you need to throw Verlander in there. Verlander is going to be, I, I, Verlander is one of my, I'm just going to tell you right up front. Verlander is one of my, uh, one of my potential podcast players because of the year he's having Yeah, uh, this year. It's crazy in a, in, for, for various reasons. Uh, but remember when Verlander about four or five years ago, was like, Oh, that guy's, he's done. Yeah. Verlander is like, he's, he's like, he's done as a great pitcher. And uh, all he had to do was go to Houston, which by the way, Houston has a little bit of that Yankee thing going a little bit too, right? Where I <laughs> suddenly show up there and they're like, Oh yeah, now I'm good now. All of a sudden, you know, it's like, uh, they have a little bit of that Yankee thing going. It's not quite to the extreme of the Yankees, but uh, yeah, you, I think you have to put, I think you have to put Verlander uh, in there. The thing that's funny is when you start looking at like career war and that kind of thing, Verlander pops up, but you know who also pops up and I don't, you know how much I love the guy, but I don't put him in that class, but it's Greinke. Yeah. Zach Greinke is that guy that like shows up on those lists all the time. I know. It's crazy. He just is quietly like, he it's you know, 180 strikeouts and 25 walks a year. <laughs> you know? And like his whip is under one, his ERA is under three. Nobody remembers about him. You know what he started? I don't know if you saw the thing on, I think it was on Deadspin, but he started routinely throwing like 68 mile an hour yep. curveballs. It's so funny. It's like he's bored and he's like, what if I try this? Like, I, I think there's a great story about Cranky when he was 21, you know, and he was, that was his, that was his disaster season. That was the year that he really had to deal with, uh, with his social anxiety. And he went five and 17 for a terrible, terrible, terrible Royals team. But there was a moment, Brian Anderson, uh, the pitcher uh, told me the story then there was a moment where he, like, he turned to Brian Anderson in the middle of a game. They were getting crushed, as they always were. And he turned to Brian Anderson and said, you know, next inning, I'm going to throw a 45-mile-an-hour curveball. <laughs> Just like that. And then he went out and did it. Like, he went out and literally threw a 45-mile-an-hour curveball. It's like, <laughs> it's, the guy is, he's, I don't even, he, like, he almost doesn't even compare to other people because he's like a, he's like a savant, right? Like, he's like a weird pitching genius that you know when he had this the opening day this year where he gave up like 63 home runs on opening day like wow this guy is done like you know this is he's 35 and and his fastball velocity has been dropping pretty consistently and now he's he can't he doesn't really even throw 90 anymore um he's done it's gonna and he's not done at all that guy's gonna keep he's gonna keep pitching and getting people out until he's like 80 if he wants he just He's he's like a whole other genius, but I would not. He, I think he's going to the Hall of Fame. I think he's one of the great pitchers of all time, but I don't think he's in that. I think the argument is going to be Kershaw, Scherzer, and Verlander. I think those three guys are going to be the argument for the dominant pitcher of the first twenty five years. Yeah, and I, I my gut says when it's all said and done, Scherzer comes out on top. That's the guy. I think you're right. I really think you're right. All right, let's do our draft. So we are uh, for this week's. Uh, podcast draft we are going to um draft potential podcast players of the year so i I think everybody listening knows our first podcast player a couple years ago was tommy fam uh because uh, we wanted to see if he could do the uh the statistical feat 
that somehow was named for him before he ever even did it. It's wild. It's, really it's a. I think it's a coincidence, actually. I don't think it was it named is. for him. I think it was named the Fam, and it just ha- he his name happens to be Tommy Fam. His name happened to be Fam, which is why we wanted this, him to do it. We're like, look, his name is Fam. He sh- he ought to be able to do the Fam. Right. It's like there if there were a guy who, if there's a singer with the last name Grammy, you'd be like, oh, it would be cool if that guy won a Grammy. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Fam was uh, was our first one because we wanted to see if he could do the 300, 400, 500 uh, Fam as as everybody has long known it to be, uh, and he did. He achieved the Fam, which which made us very very happy. He actually has a chance for a Fam this year, by the way. Yes, uh, he's not far. He's a it's OBP is the problem, I think. Right? He's he's lacking an OBP. Well, I think the average OBP. He's he's short on all of them, all three. Uh, but not short enough that he couldn't do it with a with a good hot streak. So uh, we, are, of course, continue to root for Tommy Pham. Then last year's uh, podcast player was uh, the Scooter Jeanette uh, because we wanted to see if he could uh, pull off the scooter, which, uh, as everybody, I don't even need to say the numbers there. Everybody knows what it is. Uh, 15 double plays, uh, 25 homers, 35 doubles, 45 walks. Uh, <laughs> Everybody knows that. Um, yeah, it's, it's like the one of the most famous stats in baseball, the scooter, right? It's like a, when you're growing up, with like the first things you learn about baseball are like, what's batting average? What are home runs? What's a scooter? Like you, scooter? yeah, exactly. it's just so deeply ingrained in the American psyche. It, it is. It is. It, and it's almost like it's almost insulting to go through the numbers because everybody, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, obviously. Yes, we know what a scooter is. Get to the point. That's what people are saying at home right now. He did not achieve a scooter, but he came close, and and we're very proud of him for uh, for for doing. Uh, he actually didn't get any of the four, which is which is a little. <laughs> is that true? Little, I forgot that. Yeah, yeah, he fell the one double play short, a uh, couple of a homer short, um, three walk short, which was disappointing because he he had a a nice streak at the end of the year where he was walking a little bit. Uh, but five double short, which is which was the which was the the hard one. So, uh, so we are deciding who this year's podcast player of the year, where we will of course dedicate all of our energy and enthusiasm to, uh, to rooting for our podcast player to achieve something you will uh, get to vote. Uh, I will, we will put, uh, we will put that out on Twitter. You can, you can vote for who you think the podcast player of the year is. And like in past, we're probably not going to pick who you chose. We, we don't, we don't do that. And we're probably not going to even pick one of the 10 people that we draft. Cause that's, we may not even look at the results of the poll. Right, we will like, we'll probably forget to even check and see who people voted for. <laughs> so we're going to draft potential podcast players, and uh, of course, you have the first pick. Okay, my pick is Tim Anderson, shortstop, yes. Chicago White Sox. So there's a bunch of funny things about Tim Anderson. First of all, he's like a kind of a fun bat flipping maniac who oh, is oh. Uh, everybody annoys. He annoys everybody, and I'm for anybody who flips bats and annoys other teams. <laughs> uh, also, he's currently having like a kind of out of nowhere great year. His his yeah. his, his OPS last year was 687. This year is 832. Um, he's he's uh, hitting 317 last year. He hit 240. Like he's on. He's he's had a uh, you know he's having by far his best year, and it's always fun to root for that. But there's a specific reason I, I'm I'm picking Tim Anderson. So Tim Anderson this year in 281 plate appearances has walked seven times. <laughs> seven <laughs> times. It is so hard to only walk seven times, and I want to. So I looked up fewest walks while qualifying for the batting title. 
um, almost all of these people, the top 100 uh, of all time are like, almost all of them are from like the 1900 to 1925 era. Sean Dunstan walked eight times in 1997 uh, in, a, in 511 plate appearances. He walked eight times. That's amazing. Then there's a bunch of people from 1901. Uh, Tito Fuentes walked nine times in 1966. Uh, Tito Fuentes. Uh, which is pretty great. Then there's a bunch of people from 1903. Ozzy Guillen uh, walked 10 times in 1996. That, that year, there's a bunch of people with 10 who were in the modern era. Ozzy Guillen in 96, Sean Dunstan in 95, Carlos Baerga in 94, Enos Cabell in 81. These are great names. And then a bunch of people from 1902. Uh, uh, Pudge Rodriguez walked 11 times in 2005. That's crazy. Pudge. That's crazy. And 525 plate appearances. He walked 11 times. Felix Fermin. Uh, walked 11 times in 94. Ozzy Guillen again in 1991. <laughs> that guy was a manager. That guy was a World Series winning manager. Um, Doug Flynn walked 11 times. Anyway, the point is, the top 101 guys in history, fewest walks, uh, are, I guess he walked 11 or fewer times. And that's it. Those names I just read are basically the modern era players, the post-World War II players. So I am... I, I'm choosing Tim Anderson I, just because I want him to have a great year and I want him to finish strong. But my the the thing we would be tracking is can he walk eleven or fewer times and end up in that top one hundred fewest walks per batting title qualifiers? Because uh, once you get to twelve, then you get a bunch of guys: Davey Cruz, Mariano Duncan, Andres Thomas, Guillen twice. By the way, eighty five and eighty six. Todd Cruz, Craig Reynolds, Damaso Garcia. So there's a bunch of guys. Uh, when you get to 12, there's a bunch of guys from the modern era. Um, but And 13, obviously, then you're Davy Cruz, by the way, twice, 2000, 2003. Um, Mookie Wilson, you, you get more like, you know, then you get, you also get guys from the 60s and 70s, Jesus Ulu, Mickey Rivers, Roberto Clemente did it once, which is kind of crazy. crazy. So what I'm, what I'm, what I really want is for, is to choose Tim Anderson and root for him to walk four or fewer times for the rest of the year. That's my pitch. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. I actually have a, a couple of thoughts on on how you can expand the stat, um, but then he wouldn't be the only one to do it. Uh, Tim Anderson has seven walks. He has six grounded into double plays. Ooh. So, yes. So I actually wanted to see how many people have grounded into more double plays than they've walked. It's actually happened more times than than I would have expected. Really? To be honest, yeah, there's a bunch of a bunch think, of like, like catchers. Like did Pudge do it one year, probably. Uh, yeah, last year two guys did it, which is which is kind of crazy. Uh, Salvador Perez did it, right? Um, which is you know with 19 grounded double plays and a, and 17 walks. But Eduardo Nunez did it last year as well. 17 grounded and double plays, 16 walks. Yeah, that's not uh, surprising. I've as I, from time to time send you screenshots of Eduardo Nunez's yeah. at bats where. It's 11 red dots all outside the strike zone of him swinging and fouling pitches off. He got, I, if, I don't know why any pitcher ever throws Eduardo Nunez a pitch in the strike zone. There's no yeah. point. Yeah. So, so, you know, but that still could be, you know, we, we still could root for that with, with Tim Anderson. Um, he's excellent. It's an excellent uh, first possibility. Uh, mine is going to be, my first choice is going to be someone who, uh, frankly, it's it's a little surprising we haven't had him as a podcast player already, just because there's so many fun things to root for with him. 
Uh, and that's uh, Joey Gallo uh, of the Rangers. First of all, Joey Gallo is like, he's pretty fun. Like, you know, they, like he's, he's pretty fun. Like somebody was, was uh, at some point during the off season, I believe somebody tweeted out something about, you know, banning the, the shift uh, and Joey Gallo like tweeted, like, I'm all for it. Like, he was, he just, cause nobody gets shifted uh, like Joey Gallo does. Um, Joey Gallo this year has 55 hits. Um, he has, let's see here, 33, 34. So he has 34 extra base hits and 21 singles. So you have the home run versus singles thing with Joey Gallo, which is, which is wonderful. And I believe he's had, uh, I think he's going for like his third season where he's had more home runs, uh, than, than singles, which is, which is very, very fun. Joey Gallo. But the other thing about Joey Gallo is that he's hitting 276, despite the fact he like never puts the ball in play. Like he's, he has 90 strikeouts this year because he got hurt for a while. He's only played in 59 games. Um, so he has 90 strikeouts, which I think, I think he's still on his highest strikeout. You know, the guy struck out 207 times last year, um, but he's still hitting 276. So uh, because he's, when he puts the ball in play, he hits like 400 or, or higher. Right. Um, puts the ball in play. So I want to root for Joey Gallo to hit 300 for Joey Gallo to hit 300 while still striking out. Uh, I think he's on pace for, 225 strikeouts. He basically needs to have a 470 uh, a BABIP, you know, batting average on balls and play in order to to do it. Um, I think he can do it. I think he can do it. So uh, lots of fun, different things for Joey Gallo. But but my thing that I would want to root for is could Joe, Joey Gallo has never hit better than 209 in the big leagues. Uh it would be to see if, if we can get Joey Gallo up to 300. All right. So this is a weird draft because Joey Gallo is also my number two pick, but yes, because I have a different want. thing I'm rooting for, yeah. I think yeah. it still counts, right? Cause we're actually, we're not just picking players. We're picking players and things we're rooting for. Exactly. All right. Exactly. So I'm also going to pick Joey Gallo, but what I wanted to do was he is currently has, uh, he has 20 home runs and 55 hits. So what I wanted was 40 home runs and fewer than a hundred hits. Which has to be, I don't know, I, I, I uh, d- didn't look it up because I'm lazy, but there can't be that many people in the history of baseball who have had 40 home runs and fewer than 100 total hits, right? That's got to be a look, small number. It's got to be almost almost none. Right. There, there, so, there, I, don't, I don't think that's ever happened. So if he could get, <laughs> if Joey Gallo could have 40 home runs and 99 or fewer hits. I mean, that's, that would be a fantastic feat. That's what I'm, that's my Joey Gallo pick. That's what I'm rooting for. I like it. I like it. I'm actually trying to look up right now. What is the fewest hits, uh, any, for any player with the, so it looks like the fewest hits. Well, why is this from 2018? Oh, that's for a career. It's never happened. <laughs> I was actually just looking at a career, you know, and, and they were saying they were showing somebody with a career. All right. Fewest. Well, unsurprisingly, it has happened once before. Okay. And the guy who did it, Joey. Gatton. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 41 <laughs> home runs and 94 hits in 2017. <laughs> and then, the number two on the list is Joey Gallo with 40 home runs and 103 hits in 2018. 
So, so just last year, he came within four hits of, uh, yeah. of, of the gallo of, of pulling off the gallo. So he is he is trying to do the gallo for the second time. He's the only one to have ever done it. But here's the question: Do we are we rooting for him to not only do the gallo, but to break his own record with for fewest hits with 40 home runs? I mean, why not? Let's shoot the moon, right? Like I think you gotta you gotta go for it if you're uh yeah, why not? You would have thought Adam Dunn, but you know, Adam Dunn the the had a 41 homer 110 hit season. Like that's wow. the closest that anybody else has ever gotten to to pulling off the gallo. So I love it. 40 home runs. Could he do 50 home runs and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and I mean, I like, let's, I think the thing we have to root for is 40 home runs and fewer than a hundred hits. Then the next thing we root for is break his own record of fewest hits with 40 home runs. And then the, the real, like shoot the moon, let's go for it. Version is 50 home runs, fewer than a hundred hits. That's impossible. There's no way he can do that. There's no way anyone can do that, but God, that would be so amazing. If he just got on a crazy heater, and hit, you know, <laughs> hit 11 home runs in three games or something and and uh, and like actually got on pace to hit 50 home runs with fewer than 100 hits. It's a great well, – the reason it's a fun thing to root for is because obviously like every home run counts against you in the hits exactly. category. It like it's for you and against you. Yeah, exactly it's right. weird. It's this weird like um, uh, race against yourself. So – uh, I don't know. I, I say we leave it at 40 home runs fewer than 100 hits. And then, yeah, these, and then uh, if he achieves that, there's these bonus levels he could get to. Right. All right. And we're already calling that the gallo. Clearly, that that's is obviously the gallo. The gallo so. Yes. All right. With my uh, with my second pick, I am taking the guy who, again, we should have taken before um, we're taking, you know, can Chris Davis hit 247 again? I mean, that's that thing is so awesome. So Chris Davis uh for two different teams has hit 247 each year since 2015 so in 2015 2016 2017 2018 he hit 247 every one of those years he's hitting 242 now so he's put himself in nice position to to get to the 247 that he needs um I, I mean, mathematically, it's such a ludicrous thing. There are there are certain numbers of at bats uh, where it is impossible to hit two forty seven. Right, right, right. So, so, so everything about two forty seven is is kind of crazy. Like, there, if you get a certain number of hits, you can't hit two forty seven, and there's a certain number of at bats you can't hit two forty seven, and yet. The guy has done it, and he's done it with 440 plate appearances. I mean, uh, 392 at bats, 555 at bats, 566 at bats, and 576 at bats. So he's <laughs> got to get into that bat range and get exactly the number of hits. I mean, whether he's our podcast player of the year, by the way, he's awesome in all ways. He's the he's the Chris Davis with a K. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. He's like KH. KH. He's yeah. not even the real davis right he's he's got the most home runs over like the last four years of anybody in baseball he led the league in homers last year with 48 home runs that was the quietest 48 home run season ever by far right nobody's you don't hit 48 home runs and like nobody even knows who you are it's wild i mean there's so many things about him that are crazy he had 48 home runs last year and didn't score 100 runs i know he knocked himself in 48 times and the rest of his team knocked him in 50 times. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. And uh, But the 247 thing is 
is astonishing. It's astonishing already. It doesn't matter if he does it again, but he's putting himself in position to do it again. So we have to root for Chris Davis to do that. Yeah, obviously. Great choice. Love that guy. If he played in uh, on the East Coast, he would be a revered star of oh, baseball. Oh my gosh. If he was on the Yankees, he'd already have a monument. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, that would be it. Yeah. He's three straight years of 40 homers and 100 plus RBI and and like yeah and he's cool and he's he's (laughs) like he's yeah he's also by the way he's 510 like he's not he's not Aaron Judge he's 510 and he hits uh you know he's an inch shorter than Jason Dominguez your (laughs) 2022 to 29 AL MVP Jason Dominguez um yeah he's great I'm a huge fan of him um all right so my third pick is Luis Castillo um, nice. I learned I learned some things about Luis Castillo recently. For one, I learned that he exists. I did not know <laughs> that Luis Castillo existed. I when you said Luis Castillo to me before yesterday, I would have assumed you were talking about the light hitting Marlins second baseman sure. speed demon sure. Luis Castillo. Uh, no, there's a pitcher uh, for the uh, Cincinnati Reds. His name is Luis Castillo, and he's amazingly because that team stinks. Really good, this guy. Yeah. He yeah. uh, he has a 108 whip, a 229 ERA. He's having a very, very good year. But here's the great thing about Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo, uh, let's see, what's his record right now? Um, his record, uh, where is it? Oh, he's 8-3. and three. He has a 108 whip. The league is hitting 169 against him. Um, and he has a 229 ERA. Here's the crazy thing. He leads the league in walks. <laughs> <laughs> he has walked 53 people in 106 innings. That is so many walks. He walks one person every two innings. Uh, and yet he has a 108 whip, which means, and because no one can hit him. So it's walk or you fail, right? So I'm, I'm suggesting that we pick Luis Castillo, first of all, because he exists and that's important. It's important to acknowledge that there are people who exist in baseball uh and also because i want him to both lead the league in walks and also have the lowest whip of any starting pitcher in the league because that would be that's got to that would be one of the most amazing feats ever maybe nolan ryan did that one year or something i don't know again i'm too lazy to look it up um i don't think so but i yeah i either want him there's a couple options here one is uh, like lead the league in walks and have the lowest whip. Now that's probably not possible because Hinjin Ryu uh, is going to have a lower whip than he does. Probably Grinky's right. also in the league. Walker Bueller's in the league. But right now, Luis Castillo's top fifteen, and he's only like point oh four away from being top eight. And so, or maybe maybe what we should do is say, what about a whip of one point oh oh or lower, and Oof. lead the league in walks? How about that? I don't think it's possible. That, it possible? He's de- kind of doing it. I mean, that's what's crazy. I mean, you could also do it by ERA if you wanted to. It's less interesting potentially to do an ERA. Or you could say, I mean, he has he has 53 walks and 62 hits against him. You could uh, He almost has more walks than hits. Oh, walks versus hits is great. I mean, he'll never get there. No one will get there, though. That's impossible. I mean, the last time out, he, he threw a seven-inning one-hitter. Um, but, like, how many – you can't really do that. I mean, even just being finishing top 10 in whip in the league and leading the league in walks would be something, you know? 
there are a lot of fun things you can do with Luis Castillo. By the way, I, I just wanted to say this because I, I mean, I can talk a little bit about Luis Castillo, but that red team doesn't stink. I, I just wanted, I just want to throw that out there because they're not, they're not good yeah. by any means. They can't, they can't score. Their, their offense is, is, is kind of terrible and which is, you know, pretty, pretty, it's, we always have to have our sort of poor Joey Votto moment. Right. But, <laughs> but that division, first of all, I think that's the only division that we're going to have a race in right. The, the whole, the whole, all the baseball looks like uh, everybody's going to run away. Maybe the national league East will end up being a race because the nationals finally are realizing they're supposed to be good and all that. But, but basically everybody else is kind of getting run away. I mean, the Indians are making the central a race again, maybe, uh, but the NL West is done. The AL East is probably done. Let's be honest. Um, the you know the the Central is wide open though, and that Reds team is is like pretty close to five hundred. They're only three and a half games back, and I got to tell you, I kind of I kind of want to root for them. I kind of want the Reds because that team is you know they're right now they're just doing it with with starting pitching and Vado, you know, and that's it. Right. Eugenio Swan. That's like their whole, oh, and Puig, Puig, who, by the way, is going to be my next choice. So, um, but that's it. That's all they really have. And I don't know. I mean, I just got to feel like maybe that starting pitching is good enough and they get hot. And, and I think it would be really fun if that Reds team would suddenly like make a little run. Yeah, that'd be down for that. We'll totally love that. So with that choice, I'm going to feed off of your Reds pick and I am going to pick Yasiel Puig. The problem I have with Puig is I don't have a great number to root for. Like there's no, there's no specific, like, I mean, cause it's like anything that he's doing, it's like, Oh, I want Yesio Puig did 40 home runs or whatever. It's like, fine. It doesn't, it's not like a unique number, but I just think we should one year, we should have Yesio Puig as our player, as our podcast player, because he's insane. He's like, he's so fun and so weird and so, annoying and so everything he's like he's he's all these different things in one and he went to that reds team and he's like not really having a good year because he he doesn't walk ever and so he you know he's he's got like a 94 ops plus but he's hitting bombs and and like that team feeds off of him and and there's he's just just weirdly fun and like I say, I don't think that red, I think that reds team could like surprise people and suddenly be in the race. Um, I don't know. I, I just kind of think that we ought to at least have him on our list as guys that could be the podcast player, just because just, you know, it's almost like a, it's almost like a lifetime achievement award for being <laughs> a week for this long. I think that's what we're talking about. I'm fine with that. He's insane. Uh, <laughs> he's a maniac. There's no, like, I don't know what you do with for a number except like maybe how many times does he lick his bat after he <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean y- he should definitely be an adjunct player of the year or something right like that yeah, yeah. well, we're just like keeping tabs on him as we go along just for the hell of it because he's yasiel puig like I mean, I we ought to have just a Yasiel Puig update, basically. Just we ought to have just basic updates on where Yasiel Puig is. We don't really have a number or, or sort of something to root for to tie to him, but 
we we have to acknowledge that uh, you know, especially with with baseball, you know, some of our favorites are are either not having that great of years or they're just sort of fading or whatever. Yasiel Puig is still there in all his full glory, you know. Yeah, all right, I'm fine with that. Um, my fourth pick is Fran Mel Reyes. Yes. Of the San Diego Padres. Um, Love them. Now, like Puig, there's not really a number I'm looking for here. There's some interesting things about him. Um, he uh, he has 25 home runs and seven doubles, <laughs> which I just think is is like if, there, if you want like a, a, a distillation of baseball in 2019, there's your there's your. Dis- he plays in an enormous baseball stadium. Uh, in San Diego, uh, that that is cavernous and which ought to like lead to a lot of doubles being hit. No, he has twenty five. He's on pace for forty seven home runs and thirteen doubles. So I was like, well, maybe uh, you know, four times as many home runs <laughs> as doubles. That's that's sort of as close as I got. Um, he also, by the way, he 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 never walks either. He has a three oh five on base percentage and and a five fifty nine slugging percentage. And I was like, well, maybe. Sub 300 OBP and over 550 slugging would be kind of fun, you know. Um, But also, I just, he's got a great name. He's 24 and plays in San Diego and nobody knows that he exists. It's, he's only, he's a rookie or second year, I guess, right? Um, But he's just awesome. He just mashes the ball. That Padres team has a lot of fun. They're a year away from being really fun, I think. Really fun. Yeah. I totally. And, um, and he's like, to me, like when I watch them play, he's my, he's the, um, he's the, he's the number one, like rooting interest for me. So I don't know if there's an actual number or it's just because his name is Fran Mil Reyes. Um, well, that's the other thing. It's a great name. He was the, he was the guy that showed up, um, in when, when I did the, by mistake, did the career thing. Cause he has 45, 41 homers and 140 hits in his career, you know, which is, which is hilarious. Um, his career he has 41 home runs and 16 doubles for his career. So that's, that's pretty impressive. I'm looking this up, by the way, nobody has ever had a sub 300 on base percentage and a, and a uh, five fifty. Really? Nobody, nobody's ever done that. The closest that have ever been are uh, two guys who are doing it this year. Nobody's ever done it in a full season. Hunter Renfro this year has a uh, 307 on base percentage and a 600. Oh, we have to consider Hunter Renfro. Speaking of Padres, <laughs> what about a 300 on base percentage and a 600 slugging? Wait, is that, is that what he has right now? Right now, he has a 307 on base percentage and a 602 slugging. Well, that's insane. We got to throw him in the mix, right? <laughs> he has got to be in the mix. That is like insane. Oh I have God. no idea. Hunter Renfro with your 248 batting average for the second consecutive year. You're 307 on base percentage, 602 slugging. He's a career 298 OBP guy. So he is. that is he like is. that's where his baseline is in, in 1,100 at bats. So, yes, that, okay, forget Fran Mel Reyes. Love you, buddy. You're out. Hunter Renfro in. What we're rooting for is sub 300 OBP and super 600 slugging. I mean, that would be amazing. We we need to keep all of these. We need to like all of these people like, updates every week for every one of these. That would be amazing. That I'm I'm telling you what, he's the leader in the clubhouse for me. Hunter, Hunter Renfro. Renfro. Hunter Renfro is the leader in the clubhouse for me with a 300 on base percentage and a 600. <laughs> that, <laughs> oh my that god. Is, 
Now, here's the question. If he gets exactly 300 on base percentage and a 600 slugging, it counts, right? He doesn't have to go sub 300. No, I think 300 or below, right? Yeah, yeah. I think think that's right. Oh, yeah. Hunter Renfro. I am so into Hunter Renfro. Wow. All right. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. My fourth pick... um, I mentioned I was going to do this, so I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm going to pick Justin Verlander, my fourth pick. It, it's not it's, – it's certainly not as much fun as Hunter Renfro, but Justin Verlander has a chance to give a 50 home runs this year. It's going to take a lot. I mean, he's got 23 in 119 innings. He's, he's done – he has more than half of his starts. He's already done 18 starts. Still, 23 homers in 18 starts is an impressive, impressive uh, feat for a guy who is – dominating baseball which is just so how can you lead the league in home runs like this and still uh be as dominant as he is although he actually i guess is coming off of a couple of shakier starts i guess but um i i think with with verlander it's specifically the the blylevin right trying to trying to give up 50 home runs in a year i don't yeah. think i don't think he could do it it's 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 almost i mean we can keep an eye on it but for a pitcher that good, because the, the the thing he has that Dan Straley and and uh, and the other guys don't have is that he's going to be in there, uh, because he's even though he gives up all the home runs, uh, he's still great. So he's going to get his starts. He's gonna he's going to get to pitch no matter how many home runs he gives up. So he's the one guy that would have an actual chance to do it. I don't know. I mean, he'd have to. He really would need a good four or five homer game in order to to. Um, to sort of get in the mix on hitting 50. But if anybody's going to give a 50 home runs in a year, which I don't know that anybody ever will again, um, it's got to be a guy like Verlander, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's got to be a guy who just throws really hard and, and likes to challenge people and is just sort of like that kind of alpha attitude. Um, And that guy rules, man. I like he's, it's, it's like, and by the way, get to bring this conversation full circle. The only hope we have as a nation uh, to defeat the Yankees this year, we, there's there's basically the Twins aren't going to do it, the Red Sox aren't no. going to do it. Um, it's the Dodgers and the Astros; those are the two hopes for me. The only two, right? Only the Cubs aren't going to do it. The you know, no one in the in the NL East is going to do it. It's the yeah. cut. We're we're down to the Astros and the, the we have to hope that the Astros face the Yankees and 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 then the Dodgers face the Yankees because those are the only two teams with the with the firepower to do it. But I got to ask you, you're right. And look, I think the Dodgers are the best team in baseball right now, even with the Yankees craziness. But do you trust the Yankees, the Dodgers to do it in the world series? Do you trust them? I don't really. um, I, I I mean, look, they're fired up as a franchise because they've lost twice in a row, both times the the world series being clinched in their home stadium, which is the cut of hurt from two different teams. Uh, I, but like, I don't know if I trust the Astros to do it, frankly, like outside of Verlander, who, who, who is great against the Yankees. Like, do you trust that pitching staff against that? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I, I, I'm very, um, I'm very suspicious that I, anybody can do it, but I, but uh, you, the, I root for Verlander for many reasons, but one of them is that I, I want He's him to hope. defeat the Yankees. <laughs> he is our hope. He is our hope. Um, all right. Your last, your last nominee. All right. So um, my last nominee, I want to do a brief intro here because we've only been talking for like two hours. So we have plenty of time to waste. <laughs> um, we've talked a lot about like the modern day uh, baseball player and how good, the average the average reliever now throws 97 right and when we were kids 
nobody threw 97. Like you had one guy maybe who threw 97 on your staff. And now every reliever, bad, bad yeah. relievers throw 96, 98 miles an hour. A thing we haven't talked about, which is also true, is how good outfielders are with their throws. When we were kids and there was a play at the plate, like more than half the time, the ball from from the outfield would be like, you know, eight feet up the first baseline or it would sail over the catcher's head or whatever. That doesn't happen anymore. When Mookie Betts in the world, in the, in the ALCS last year, Mookie Betts, uh, Tony Kemp hit a ball down the line, late innings of a close game. And Mookie Betts ran as hard as he could to his left, picked up the ball on the line. Tony Kemp was going for two. Mookie Betts, without looking, picked up the ball, turned around and threw an absolute laser beam strike to second base and got him by a step. And it was a huge deal because they ended up winning that game. Uh, it was I think it was the Benintendi catch and left game. Uh, and But it was like, you know, it's like the seventh or eighth inning of like a very close playoff game. And he cut down a run at second. And it was like, it's a throw that like you, if you see it once in your life, you can't believe what the feat of athleticism you've seen. And now you see throws like that from outfielders all the time. It is really shocking. Marwin Gonzalez, two days ago, I don't know. Did you see that throw? Um, Marwin Gonzalez in left field um, the uh, in in Oakland uh, runs. There's a double down the line. He runs. He picks up the ball with his bare hand from the warning track. Doesn't take a running leap. Just takes a crow hop as he's picking up the ball and throws an absolutely perfect 300-foot throw, a one-hopper to the catcher to get uh, the runner coming home from third. It's insane. It's not, it's not uh, human. It's not human. These throws that these guys do, they are not human beings. I don't understand how every outfielder now is not just, not only has a cannon for an arm, but has perfect accuracy. They are never, the balls are never 20 feet up the line. They're, they never airmail the catchers, ever. Am I crazy or have you seen this? Because it's... amazing, Absolutely amazing. And so my, to, to, it, with that uh, in mind... I, the last guy I'm on my uh, podcast draft player of the year, whatever the hell we're doing, <laughs> is Ramon Laureano, um, center fielder, uh, Oakland A's. He, um, in the opening series, the Red Sox were in Oakland. In the opening series, he threw out, I, I don't know the exact number, but I'm I, by my best estimate, he threw out 41 base runners in three games. In one game? It was it was, yeah, it was a three-game series, but I believe he threw oh, yeah, 40. He he yeah. caught uh, he caught people at second. He caught people at third. He caught people at home. They kept challenging him, and he kept just gunning them down. He also is the author of that crazy throw, I think from last year, where he's running as hard as he can to his right into left center field, catches a ball, he, like crashes into, kind of crashes into the wall, there was a guy on first who had who had taken off and had rounded first, and he threw the ball like 400 feet in the air from left center field to first base and doubled the guy off. If you haven't seen that throw, go look at it. It's crazy. Um, I just want to follow. He is he currently leads the league in assists. I don't know if that can be the number that we sort of follow or something. I think he has seven or eight assists. Um, so maybe I maybe whatever. Let's go for 15 assists from center field or something. I don't care. I just want to. I just think more people because again, he plays in Oakland. Like Chris Davis, nobody knows he exists. Um, but he has one of the craziest. He and Jackie Bradley do things in center field, and a bunch of other guys who do these things in center field uh, and and the corner outfielder positions that like you just can't believe what you're looking at. And uh, I just I want more people to care about him. 
I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, there's so many guys though. Now, I mean, that is one thing that I think we very much underestimate. People talk about, you know, the shift and, and all the strikeouts and all those things are true. Guys just make insane defensive plays now. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. You, you hit a ball into the gap now and it's potluck. I mean, you might, you know, you might get it. Uh, it's guys just run down everything now. And then the, the throws, you're hundred percent, right? How often you would see these throws where, where, you know, be like, Oh, there could be a play at the plate. And they would throw it 63 feet over the catcher's head. Right. Like yeah. you just see, you see the catchers just start running back to the, like, as soon as he throws it, you, you see them running back and, and now these guys are just, it's, it's, it's crazy. They're, they're, the accuracy, it's a little bit like, you know, the three point shot in basketball or something where like when we were growing up, you know, guys would shoot 25% or, and they would take, you know, 43s a year. And now they take 400 and they shoot 45% or whatever, like just the evolution of the sport. Like these, there is no such thing as a bad defensive outfielder anymore. They don't exist. Like they, they no, used to be used to hide yeah. bad defensive outfielders in left and right. And those guys don't exist. They just don't like, they're all good. They can all move. Like, I mean, part of it obviously is that like JD Martinez DHs now and doesn't have to play right, left sure, or whatever, sure. but but they just don't exist. These guys like these, there, there is no such thing as an outfielder who has like a bad arm. They've all got yeah. cannons. It's crazy. It really is. It really is great. All right. I love it. I love that. All right. My fifth pick. Um, I am going to go back to the Reds. So we're actually having three nominees from the Reds. Uh, I'm going to go with Derek Dietrich. Uh, Derek Dietrich is, um, it's just kind of fun in a lot of ways. I love, I love those like guys who just, just, absolutely they he has already like a career highs and home runs and and uh and and other other things but the reason i want to choose derek dietrich is uh derek dietrich leads the league and hit by pitch he's been hit 16 times uh but he's only walked 22 times uh which which i love uh i would love for him to uh have more hit by pitches than walks fantastic that has happened very rarely it has happened but i'm also looking here there have not been that many 30-30 guys in, in baseball history where they've had 30, 30 walks uh, and 30 hit by pitches. There, there have been a few. Anthony Rizzo uh, seems to be the most recent to have done it. He had 30 hit by pitches and, and 78 walks. Uh, 35-35, uh, very, very rare. You have to go back to Don Baylor to uh, uh, Biggio. No, Biggio didn't do it. It's uh, Ron Hunt. Don Baylor, very, very few guys have, have done it. Um, so I think we could do something with, you know, I love that, that Derek Dietrich will, uh, you know what he'll do? You know what, you know what Derek Dietrich will do? He'll take one for the team. That's, <laughs> that's what he will do. He, he doesn't, he doesn't mind. Plus he has 18 home runs. So how about a 30, 30, 30? That's what you want. There you go. 30, 30, 30, 30 walks, 30 hit by pitches, 30 home runs. I think he, he could do it. Let's see. Has that happened before? Let's see. Uh, yeah, it looks like Rizzo and Baylor are the only two guys to have ever done that. Rizzo. To have ever pulled off a Dietrich. They did it well before Derek Dietrich was even yeah, around. Yeah, Don oh, no. Baylor probably did it before Derek Dietrich was born, right? <laughs> well, he did in 86. Yeah, there you go. He did it for, for your Red Sox in 86. Uh, 31 homers, 35 hit by pitches, 62 walks. Wow. The, maybe we could even call it the Baylor. The question is, can Derek Dietrich pull off the Baylor? That's a great one. 
Regardless of who we, who we actually pick, that's that we should definitely follow that. We need to follow the whether Derek Dietrich can pull off the Baylor. So uh, I think we've got a lot of good ones. So if you actually listen to all of this and you want to vote, we're not going to look at it. But you can go ahead and go to Twitter, uh, pick who your favorite podcast uh, player is and and which one you want to follow most. And uh, we'll we'll tell you next time. And then I have I have two other things that we should follow. One of them is I want every team in the NL Central to finish within four games of four hundred or five hundred, yeah. which is what they are now. Yeah. The Brewers yes. and Cubs are four games over, and the Reds are three games under. So that, I think we should root for that. That every every team finishes within four games of five hundred. Like a five way tie would be like fantastic. So yeah, it'd be great. So and then I also think that we should root for the Orioles to give up a thousand runs because that doesn't happen very often. They're on no. pace. They've had they've given up five hundred and thirty two runs through eighty six games, so they're probably right about on pace. Um, oh yeah. And by the way, the Mariners have given up five hundred and thirty five, so we could root for a team to give up. Yeah, yeah. A- because we're we're agnostic about that thing. Whether it's the whether it's the Mariners or the Orioles, we just want somebody to give up. Somebody give up a thousand runs. That's all we care about. That Mariners team. Can we talk for a second about that Mariners team? What were they like? Twenty four and zero to start off the year, and everybody's like, "Oh, look at that Mariners team!" And uh, wow, are they terrible? Part of the wow. Part of what's part of the like annoyance of the Red Sox mediocrity this year has been like. They man they have managed to catch a bunch of bad teams when those teams were having many hot streaks. Like they started the year in Seattle and, and Oakland, and like Seattle was just like came out of the gate like rip roaring good times, and now they're terrible, and the Red Sox won't play them again forever. Like they they uh, yeah they were whatever twelve and one or something didn't they start like eight and one or nine and one? Yeah, they know. start off super duper hot. Yeah, yeah, and they stink. Crazy. And by the way, let's 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 give up a nod because I I put uh, Justin Verlander on my list for guys that uh, could give up fifty home runs, but Mike Leake could do it. I don't know if Mike Leake is going to get enough at bat, but he also has given up twenty three home runs this year for a Mariners team that uh, that uh, is giving up runs uh, at record pace. So uh, Mike Leake, let's let's not write him off. Let's not write Mike Leake off for this. Um, before we do our one last meaningless thing, we actually have an announcement. So we've been teasing this. For God, how long have we been teasing this? We've been teasing this since basically we started the podcast in 1923. We are actually doing a live podcast event. Is that right? Is Is it live? Are we doing it live? I didn't know. I didn't even know that. I don't know. We haven't decided what we're doing. We're doing something. We don't know if it's live or whether it's just on location. We don't know. Well, why are we? Why would we announce it if we're not doing it live? I think we're doing it a little bit live. I think. All I right. think that was the point. We're doing we're something. Doing say for now, the official announcement is we're doing something. We're doing something at Wrigley Field in September. So we are we are getting together uh, at Wrigley Field for uh, September. It'll be mid September. Maybe we shouldn't pick the date yet since there are a couple of possibilities. But uh, mid September, we're going to be doing uh, a podcast together with an incredibly special guest right it's- well let's not say who the special guest is we got to roll this out slowly it's only july <laughs> we're gonna have the idea we're gonna have uh we're gonna be at wrigley field we're right. gonna have us we're gonna have one or more special guests yes. uh and we and uh and theoretically some part of it is live although we don't know if that's true we don't know so we might it might be live we're not going to tell you the date so that'll be a, a whole separate announcement and then we'll we'll reveal our special guest 
So we could we could milk like seven or eight podcasts out. Of yeah, this. we'll we'll just we're gonna give you one more shred of information every like week or so until this is actually <laughs> happening. <laughs> Everybody says that's the best way to announce things, right? It's just very very piecemeal. Give them like information they didn't even want. Like, eh, we have a time for that, and but but not even tell them what day it's going to be yet. You that's know, right. Things like that. I think I think that's really good. But it is exciting. We are going to get together uh, to do something at Wrigley Field. Uh, very, very exciting. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be, uh, it's going to be good. This is going to be the, the quality content that our podcast re- uh, listeners have, uh, have come to, to have come to expect. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this announcement is definitely the quality that our podcast, li- that people are like, what, what did they even announce? It they doesn't, announced it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, nor Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast was. Uh, why did you go first? Um, mine's also baseball related, which is um, when I was looking up the fewest walks uh, of a person who qualified for the batting title. As I said, most of the players were from the early 20th century. And sure. I just want to take a second to just read some names of some of these players <laughs> because... I love names and um and and the names back then were were great in a different way than names are great now. Yeah. Uh first of all, the all-time leader uh from 1909, Whitey Alperman. Uh Whitey Alperman in 1909 had 442 plate appearances and walked twice. <laughs> he, walked, <laughs> he walked twice. But other names, Aussie Shrick, uh, wait, Shrikengo. It's S-C-H-R-E-C-K-E-N-G-O. Yes. Aussie Shakrengo yes. did, did it like 10 times. Like he in 1905, in 1904, in 1902, whatever. This guy never walked. He was the uh, he was the uh, Luis Castillo of his day. Um, love that name. Grover Land is a great name. There's a bunch of Rubes and Ikes. And uh, Candy LaChance, how about that? Candy LaChance in 1901 walked seven times. Tuck Stainback, uh, there's a good one. Red Dewin, D-O-O-I-N, that's a good one. Virgil Stalkup, that was from 1949, actually. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then you get into um, my personal favorite. Uh, in 1901, uh, walked nine times. Bones Eli. Bones. This guy's name was Bones, and but and so you you look him up. Bones Eli was born in in Pennsylvania in 1960, 1863. So he was born in Pennsylvania in the middle of the Civil War. He lived eighty eight years. He died in nineteen fifty two, uh, and he and it amazingly on his baseball reference page it says buried colon cremated. So in case you were wondering whether Bones Eli was cremated, don't worry, Baseball Reference has you covered. Uh, but the, those names are just so great. Rube Oldring, Hobie Ferris, Red, like all these guys from the, these names that don't exist anymore. Burgess Whitehead, Pee Wee Wanniger. 
I mean, it's wonderful. Go like the to go back and look at all of these lost baseball players from the early 20th century, who I'm sure were all terrible people. <laughs> they're, all, they're all just miserable racists and nightmare people, but their names were great. Nearly 100 years before tall shortstops like Cal Ripken Jr. and Alex Reed, uh, Rodriguez would redefine the position, they're using redefine in quotations mm. uh, because apparently they did not redefine the position because Bones Eli was already proving it was possible to be a six-footer who could fill that defensive role. According to baseball reference, no shortstop of the 19th century was taller than Eli's listed height of six feet one. Wow. How about that? Yeah. How about that? Pioneer. By the way, if you have a chance, this is, you know, I don't often make sort of recommendations. So two recommendations. One, obviously go out and buy um, uh, Linda Holmes' uh, new book because you don't want to be the last person to do it. It'd be embarrassing for you. But more importantly, or at least as importantly, go to Baseball Reference and go to Candy LaChance and look at that face. Just, just <laughs> that, that is, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, of course he has the mustache like everybody does and he's got like the weird part, but there's like, he looks like, like he was caught by surprise maybe for the photo or something, but he just, that everything about that photograph says, uh, terrible baseball that we should not be comparing to today's. Hey, game. he was from Waterville, <laughs> Connecticut. That's not far from where I grew up. And he was born, wow. he was buried in Waterbury. That's, I used to play Waterbury in baseball when I was in high school. So were you, did you play in the Candy LaChance League? I, weirdly, it was not named for Candy LaChance, although maybe it should be retroactively. Candy LaChance led the league in strikeouts in 1898. I mean, he's a hitter. <laughs> That's not the best, but... All right, I uh, one last meaningless thing I actually mentioned on Twitter, but but uh, but I'm going to say it again just because I I'm sort of it, it hit me all at once and it's so incredibly meaningless and important and yet I've not been able to get it out of my mind since since it first hit me. So, <laughs> boy, is this stupid? Count Chocula is like it's like a pun, right? Count Chocula is a pun. For cereal, it's a cereal. You're using the chocula for Dracula, right? It's a pun. Booberry cereal is obviously a pun as well, and a very good one, by the way. My favorite of the of the that cereal flavor uh, thing. Booberry is a very good one, and and if you're going to go with sort of a ghost themed cereal, Booberry is is to me easily the best one. <laughs> what the heck is Frankenberry? Frankenberry's not a thing. That's not a that's not a pun. It's not a pun. They just put Frankenstein and put Barry on the end of it. I'm really bothered by this. I'm really like they did Frankenberry. They didn't even try to do something that would be. They were like they. They're like we have Count Chocula. That's like a, there. There you go. We're playing off of something, and we've got Booberry. That's great. Booberry is awesome. What are we going to do with our strawberry Frankenberry? We're just going to call it Frankenberry. That's not a thing. Yeah, that's a bad pun. It hadn't occurred to me before this, but yeah, that's a bad pun. It's really bad. It's it's you're not even you're not even trying. Like I I would think that if if somebody in your writer's room came up with Franken, you would throw them out of the room. Um, you know what our our writer's room is obsessed with um is oops all berries. Do you know about oops all berries? <laughs> no. So, it's a, so there's Captain Crunch, right? 
And then there's right. and then there's Crunch Berries, which is like Captain Crunch has like little little flavor, you know, corn syrup uh, berries in it. And then for a right. while, there was a cereal called Oops All Berries, and wow. there was like a backstory to the cereal. And the backstory was there had been like a malfunction at the Crunch Berry plant, and it they accidentally didn't like like produce any captain crunch they only produced the berries and they didn't know what to do with them so they sold them as oops all it literally says oops exclamation point all berries it's one of the weirdest things like we we weren't normally speaking you're not looking for like a deep narrative to your cereal to your breakfast cereal like you don't really care about like what the backstory is of like the manufacturing of the cereal but they turned it into like a, a whole thing like there's a whole drama to it where the plant malfunctioned and like oops we all have we only have berries now and it's just it's just fruit loops basically or it's just you know or yeah, whatever because yeah. it's just the, the the like flavored corn syrup chunks of the of different flavors but they yeah they made up this whole story and then like and it was like a a big. Deal. I don't think they make it anymore. But if you if you Google "oops all berries," I'm looking at the box yeah. right now. It is the greatest box ever. Yeah, that is the greatest. It's box and ever. it's also labeled by the way as Captain Crunch's "Oops All Berries," <laughs> as if it's like Martin Scorsese's "The Departed" or something like. That. Well, first of all, you got Captain Crunch kind of with like that that like. What else are you gonna do when the factory makes all berries? You like you gotta got you gotta do something with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And the oops with the like in the different letter type. Yeah. Like, oops is in white with an exclamation point, and then all berries is in yellow. Yeah, brilliant. It's pretty insane. Brilliant. It's a pretty insane all concept of, for a cereal. All of the brilliant thinking that did not go into Frankenberry went into oops all berries. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that the smart people, the best cereal promoters, got in a room and they came up with oops all berries, and it was great. And then. Down the road, the the Frankenberry people they just they said you know what let's call it a day I don't I don't have anything left so they went with Frank. By the way, they also for a limited time in the mid nineties had a baseball version of Captain Crunch called Home Run Crunch. Do you remember that? I don't remember that yeah. Home Run Crunch. Yeah. What was the? <clears throat> it was it had like, like um it had I was a living I was in college at the time but I went and got a box of it somewhere or someone sent me one or something. But it had like the everything was shaped like home plate and like there were baseballs in it. And and like I feel like there were baseball cap shaped things and stuff like it was all the, everything was like shaped like a it was it tasted like Captain Crunch or like whatever one of those cereals. But everything was shaped like a uh, bat and ball. I'm, yeah. I am looking at the box now. Bat and ball shaped pieces exclamation point. There you go. Kind of a green bat and a red ball. I don't know why they didn't try for. Do they still make it? Um, it doesn't look promising because they're, they looks like they've got a, it says it uh, was around in 2016. Yeah. What in the world is there? So they have a Captain Crunch home run, a different, uh, box. They have a Captain Crunch home run crunch. And then of course they still have the little bat and ball shape, but then they've got a baseball, which says crunchitize me, Captain. <laughs> That's nonsense. It's like signed. Like that's like it's like sort of like if you ask Captain Crunch to sign a baseball, that's where it is. It's like between the between the scenes. <laughs> Crunchitize me, Captain. Sure. With an exclamation point. What does the captain have anything? What is Captain? What is a seafaring 
creature have anything to do with home with baseball? Like it doesn't, none of it makes any sense. Well, I'll tell you what, he's swinging the bat on this, on this uh, box. He is, he's definitely swinging the bat and a pretty good looking swing, kind of a follow through. He's a righty, right-hander. <laughs> looks like, looks like a little power. Looks like a little bit of power maybe with, with that swing. God, there's several home run crunch. There's also a great home run crunch back in the days when the captain wore that weird, like, like that C cap, but with it, there's like a C on it. Like for captain, I guess. And, and and this one looks like it says something about marshmallowy stumping. It would be so. sad if Captain Crunch were not voted to be the captain of his baseball team. <laughs> he didn't get to wear the actual C. <laughs> wow, they I okay, we have to do a whole podcast just of this because apparently there was also soccer crunch, which I'd never heard of. Oh so god. Uh, yeah, but that one you could the had him had him kicking the the cereal and then it, it does not look like soccer crunch. I guess they just went, well, look, all of our sort of round uh, Captain Crunches look like soccer balls. So they didn't even do anything special, but they do say you can score this limited edition. So, <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. That so would this, truly, this, this is truly new levels of I'm meaningless. So yeah, no, that's it's a high. We have we have hit we have hit peak meaninglessness. Well, it's been you know, look, we haven't done one of these in months, so it was bound to get into the weeds at some level, right? Hey, we kept it. Uh, well, we didn't keep it under two hours, but we kept it two two hours. So, I, you you got to split these in half, right? You can't do two. You can't do one two hour long podcast. That's absurd. But the, the, it, of course, it's absurd. But everything about this is absurd. So, <laughs> our, all right. Well, as always, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for having me.